0: Well, good morning. morning. We have been going through a series in uh, church since we started the beginning of the year called Church 101. And basically it's a challenge to help uh, all of us as the church be the church and understand what God's called us to do as the church And really understand what God would want us to do in the future as the church. And inside of our Church 101 series, we've kind of started another little mini-series. Last week, Marty did a sermon called Structured for Growth. Uh, This week, we're doing a a, uh, sermon called Empowered for Growth. And next week will be a sermon entitled Gifted for Growth. And it's a three-part series to help us understand as the church how God wants us to grow. Marty really uh, took a look at the function of how we're structured, how the church is made uh, for growth, and how we can help others grow, and he used the Great Commission passage in Matthew 28, and this week we're going to look at how God has empowered us as individuals in the church to grow, and all the ways that he's done that. We're going to start, we're going to look at that passage again, and we're going to hopefully be challenged here today. My goal is to challenge you in the way that you think about spiritual growth and how God has empowered you for that. And it really, it doesn't matter whether you have one day left on this earth or a hundred years left on this earth. God has empowered us for growth. He wants us to grow in our faith. He wants us to grow spiritually. So why would we do this sermon on growth in the middle of our Church 101 series? That's because we know people get stuck. People get stuck in routine. They get stuck in the routine of life day in and day out. And sometimes when you get stuck in a routine, it stunts growth. It stops your growth. And your faith never gets any bigger. It sort of stays exactly where it was. So we want to really challenge you with growth inside of this series. And and to really get all of us, myself included, to think about how we're growing in the Lord. And as I was thinking about this sermon and getting ready for it, a guy came to mind who I hadn't thought about in a long time. And this guy is one of my all-time heroes. Uh, we used to call him Uncle Henry. He was a f- local farmer and, uh, that I used to work with years ago. And I think they're going to throw a picture up, up there. Yeah, that's Uncle Henry. Uncle Henry was one of my heroes. Um, I, when I knew Henry, he was in his late 80s, uh, early 90s. And Henry was one of these guys that every year when I said, Henry, how old are you this year? He would say 92. Every year for like eight years in a row, he was 92. So I, I really don't know how old he was. And Henry uh, was a farmer. He had done some other things. He worked in a sawmill for many years. And uh, he was just, he was a man of the earth. He loved to make things grow. And I remember Henry on his one hand, he had lost all of his fingers were gone just about from different accidents through the years. And I can remember this one time, I'm driving mine as. Farm equipment's broke down, so I jump out. I say, Henry, can I help you? And he says, yeah, I need you to, to climb up. I don't know what the piece of farm equipment was, but he said, I need you to climb up there and put this bolt in for me. So I climb up in this machine. I'm putting the bolt in, and I can hear Henry out there starting it up. And I'm banging on the thing. I'm like, Henry, you remember I'm still in here, right? And he says, oh, don't worry. It, it won't hurt you. And all I could think of is, uh, I don't know, Henry, if you should be talking about safety in the workplace <laughs> with, with your track record. I loved Henry. Because Henry, every time you saw him and you asked Henry how he was doing, how you doing, Uncle Henry? He had the same response no matter who you were. He would say, I'm growing and maturing. And I'm reading my Bible every day. I'm growing and maturing. That's what he would say every single time. He was a joyful person. And his response was always, I'm growing and maturing. And when I was younger, I used to think, that's kind of an odd odd response. This guy's like in his mid to late 90's or however old he was and he keeps telling me he's growing and maturing. How much more growing and maturing you got left to do Henry? You're in your, in your 90's But as I've gotten older I, I really understand what Henry was saying. In 2 Corinthians 4.16 it says so we do not lose heart though our outer self is wasting away our inner self is being renewed day by day Paul makes the case to the church in Corinth that outside he is physically wasting away. Inside, he's being renewed by the work of the Holy Spirit day by day. In other words, he's growing and maturing every day. That's what my friend Henry had really grasped. You know, for you and I, every day, this physical body that we have is wasting away. Our bodies are dying day by day. But hopefully the work of the Holy Spirit in us, we are growing every day. We're learning more about Him and growing closer to Him. And that's what Henry had taken hold of. If you have your bulletins you can take them out because the idea in your outline says God has uniquely empowered us for growth. My hope today is just to challenge you in the way that you think about spiritual growth and where God has you in your life right now. I'd like to Just before we take a look at three different ways that God challenges us, I'd like to just pray and ask God to be here with us and give us insight as we look into his word. Let's have a prayer together. Lord, thank you that we could be here in your house today to worship you, to read your word. Lord, I pray for everybody here. You know all the hearts and minds and where people are in their lives with you. God, I pray that for anyone who needs to be challenged in this area, that this would be something that hits home. For me too, even as, as I prepared this, God, a lot of things hit home to me. And I, I pray that you'll hit home with us today as we're challenged in our spiritual growth. I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, I'd like to pick off right, pick up right where Marty uh, left off last week. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew 28. We're going to look at Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Passage is referred to as the Great Commission passage. And this is a passage... Um, where Jesus challenges his disciples. So you can follow along or we'll have it up on the screen. Starting in verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I thought it was interesting as we look at this passage that who Jesus calls to give this great commission to. He doesn't go and find the great teachers and leaders in the temple. He doesn't go find the great spiritual leaders of the day. He doesn't go find the politicians or the king or the president or anybody else. He calls his disciples and he says to them, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore you go. Make disciples of all nations. Doing what? Teaching them to obey the things that I taught you. He empowers them to help others grow because he helped them grow. He takes this group of really common guys and gives them this great commission. And he says, listen, I've helped you grow. I want you to go help others grow. Point number one in your outline reads, we are empowered to grow through our faith. You and I by having faith in Christ, that is, when you surrender your life to Christ, when you finally bow the knee and you accept Christ and you, and you pray to God and you tell God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and take the punishment for my sins and I surrender my life to you. At that point, we enter into a word that we use called sanctification. Sanctification is, is being made holy and before God, we've been made holy because of the blood that Christ spilled on the cross when he took the punishment for our sins. And we refer to that as positional sanctification. That is, before the Lord, positionally, we have been made holy because of our faith in Christ because of our faith in what Christ has done for us so when the Lord looks at you and I he looks at us through the blood of Christ and he sees someone who is holy that is the great thing that God did for us by sending Christ to die on the cross for our sins he sees a holy person when he looks at you and I when we've put our faith in Christ and our position before him is a holy position Hebrews ten ten says that and by the will, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Romans eight twenty nine says for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. Romans 6 Jesus says it says Jesus died once for all sins for all times. that position that we have makes us holy before the Lord. But then the big question always comes up is, well what's next? So if God looks at us, if we've surrendered our life to Christ when God looks at us and he sees a holy person, does that mean we're done? Okay, well we just wait around until we die now. No, we enter into another thing which is what we call progress sanctification. Progress sanctification is is the act of being made holy day by day. It's what my friend Henry was talking about when he said growing and maturing. Although positionally, he is made right before the Lord. In his progress, he needs to be renewed day by day. That's sanctification and progress. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Sanctification in progress. Because it's easy for us to be conformed to this world. It's easy for us to get stuck in routine. And that is not what God had intended for us. Jesus said that I came to give you life, and I came to give it to you more abundantly. A more abundant life is not just waiting now to die because we're made holy before Christ. A more abundant life is living for Christ day by day. Many of you have probably had the experience of either uh, buying an old car or buying an old house with the intent of fixing it up fixer-upper. You know, that's a big thing that we have today. There's all kinds of TV shows about fixer-uppers. Uh, when my wife and I bought a house uh, a while ago, you know, it needed a little bit of work here and there. It's a little bit of a fixer-upper house and happy to do the work and, and happy to get in there. And the one thing that you've probably all discovered when you buy a home that needs some fixing or even a car is that one problem usually leads you to several more. And you uncover a multitude of issues when you thought it was just one. Remember years ago, my wife went to Virginia for the weekend and I was doing a little bit of work around the house and I peeled up just the corner of the carpet in our living room. And I said, wow, there's hardwood floors under here. I thought, I got this idea in my head. I'm going to take all this carpet out pull the staples out and mop this floor. My wife is going to come home to beautiful hardwood floors in our living room. So I got one of my buddies to come over. We moved all the furniture out of the living room. We put it on the porch. I got a utility knife. And I started cutting the carpet out in three-foot sections, throwing it out in the backyard. And it was, man, look at who would cover up these floors. These floors are beautiful. Until I got to the middle of the room and I grabbed that section and pulled it up and found that the floor had been damaged and they had replaced it with plywood. <laughs> Not only that, it was the ugliest plywood you've ever seen. So now in the middle of our living room floor, there's plywood. All the, all the hardwoods all cut up. What I thought was gonna be a simple fix turned out to be a whole lot more. So what I do? I had to call my wife in Virginia and tell her what I did. said, Joy, uh, you know, I did this job and there's plywood, it's all messed up. And she said to me, no problem just put the carpet back in. (laughs) That was now laying outside in three foot sections. (laughs) Several expenses later, we got the hardwood floors fixed and it became quite an ordeal. But I tell you that story to point out to you, the progress of sanctification is much like that in our own lives. We find something that we think is just going to be one issue and we go to fix it and the more mature we get in Christ, we realize that there's a thousand behind it. The issue is so much bigger than what we saw on the surface. The way that we talk, the way that we act, the things that we do. There's underlying issues that you and I need to get in there and solve. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, You were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And ultimately, we have to choose this. God gives us free will to choose Him every day. And I'd love to stand up here and tell you that every day I win the battle, but some days I don't. And that is sanctification and progress. See, sin attempts to block us from our spiritual growth. Before we knew Christ, when we were living in sin, we ran towards sin. After we found Christ and we've been sanctified and made holy through His blood, we try to run away from sin. But it sure seems like sin is chasing us all the time. Because of that, point two in your outline reads, we're empowered to grow by our commitment. When you think about the routine of your life and the things that block your spiritual growth, a lot of times it's because we're committed to the wrong things. We get stuck in a routine because we're committed to all these other goals and Christ is not number one in our lives. Our relationship with the Lord is not number one. In Luke 9:23 through24. And he said to all, "If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it." See, denying yourself is a huge commitment. When you think about all the goals that you have in life and all the things that you want to accomplish and do, for you to deny yourself means denying some of those things, some of those goals that are on your heart. It means God becomes number one. It means your spiritual growth becomes more important than accomplishing this task. And we get into this game of weighing things out. We can be committed to all kinds of things in life. We can be committed to our jobs. We can be committed to our families. We can be committed to our bank account. We can be committed to stuff. We can be committed to vacations and all kinds of other things that get in the way of God being number one. And that verse, Luke, just points out to us, once again, that we need to deny ourselves daily, every day, but it takes a commitment. I was reading a story about Julius Caesar when he was invading Britain with his Roman legions. And he really wanted his troops to understand his level of commitment, that they were going to win this battle no matter what. So as they land on the shores, they go up to this place called the Cliffs of Dover. And he gets his troops together and he's explaining to his troops what it's like to be committed and how much you need to be committed to this battle that we're in. And he does that. He says, I want you to look over the cliffs. And as troop, troops, as they look over the cliffs, they see all the ships that they just crossed the channel are all being burnt. Julius Caesar had ordered all the ships to be burnt so that there was no retreat, so that this commitment to this battle was going to be 100%, that there was no turning back. They were going to win this battle or they were going to lose it on those shores, but he wanted them to see how committed he was to winning. How great would that be if we were all that committed to our spiritual growth? How great would that be if we were all that committed to the Lord? There is no retreat. Once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're committed to this growth process, there is no going back to the sinful lifestyle. It can't be. You've been made holy, you've been made righteous before the Lord. And we need to make a commitment to our growth. In Romans 2.13, it says, For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. If we're going to win this battle, we need to be committed. And like I said, you're going to grow weary, and and some days you're going to win, and some days you're going to lose. I do too. But we still have to be committed to the Lord. We have to be committed to growth. Committed to this cause that, that we've and trusted ourselves to. Point number three in your outline reads, we are empowered to help others grow. One of the greatest joys I've had working in this church, uh, I work in the youth department a lot. So I get to work with a lot of the kids and the younger people. And um, one of the greatest joys for me as a youth pastor is when those kids grow up and now they're serving alongside of us in the youth department. And I've been around long enough now where I've seen that over and over where we've had some young people, some youths, and and they've really been committed to their growth in Christ. And now they're working alongside of us with our fifth grade youth group or our middle school youth group. And I get to see them be leaders to help other people grow. We are empowered to help others grow. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 is all about that. It's all about Appointing people to grow in their faith in Christ. Helping them to understand biblical truths. When I think about that passage in Matthew 28, and and you think about all the people that um, Jesus had called together, boy, what a ragtag bunch this is. He's got a couple fishermen. He's got this one loudmouth guy who just, he doesn't even think. He just blurts out stuff and he just does stuff. You know, that's what Peter does. And he's got a dreamer. And he's got this other guy, this doubter. This guy, every time Jesus says something, this guy doubts it's going to happen. And he's got this other guy who's going to betray him. And Jesus knows all this. And he gets all these guys together. And he says, at a certain point, he's going to empower them for their growth. The passage is found in Luke 9. And he calls these these this ragtag bunch together. These guys that we would never pick. Do you know anybody like that in life? Somebody that you say, oh God would never use this person. He would never use this guy. He would never use this girl. She's a gossip. He's a loud mouth. He doesn't listen. He acts without thinking. She does stuff she's not supposed to. You know somebody like that? I am that guy. You're probably one of those people too. Jesus takes this ragtag bunch, and in Luke 9, 1 through 6, Jesus calls his disciples together. He called the twelve together, and he gave them power and authority over demons to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart and whatever and wherever they do not receive you when you leave that town shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them and they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere Jesus calls these 12 together this 12 guys this group of guys you would never choose and he empowers them for growth He empowers them to preach the gospel. He empowers them to heal in the villages. And as Jesus does this, the disciples are empowered for growth. There's two mentors in my life that I was thinking of uh, putting this together. One is my dad. Some of you guys know my dad, Kurt Jarvis. And my dad is one of these guys that you could do anything. And growing up as a kid, that's how he encouraged me. Oh, you could do it. You could totally do that. Oh, you could do this. You know, Dad, there was no limit. There was no ceiling. Dad would always tell you that you could do it, even if you couldn't do it. And sometimes that got me in trouble. As a kid in the 70s, uh, you know, we, there was a neighborhood bully. And uh, I used to watch a lot of Bruce Lee movies. So my dad would say, well, you know karate. Go get the guy. That didn't go too well. Because I didn't know karate. I watched karate. And there's a big difference. But my dad, in his mind, would just empower you to go do it. Oh, sure, you could go do it. But we all need a person like that in our life. We all need a person that says, you can do it. You can do it. Just go for it. And that spirit's really helped me in my whole life. Just knowing I got one person behind me that says, no matter what it is, you can do it there's another guy I was thinking of this guy Bob Bob Marquardt used to be my boss years ago when I worked in camping ministry and Bob was the former president of Philadelphia College of Bible he was also a a theology professor he was a former pastor really smart guy and I respected Bob a lot for his spiritual knowledge for his leadership but most of all for his mentorship for me and I remember early on he was one of the first guys who allowed me to speak to a group of adults I had all you know, spoken to kids a lot, but he's like, hey, we got this thing coming up. There's going to be about three or 400 adults there. I want you to give the message. And I remember as a guy about 22 years old saying, ooh, that's not me, Bob. That's, that's more you. He said, yeah, I've done it. You need the experience. I'll help you. I'll help you get your message together. We'll go through it. You can preach it right in front of me. I'll help you fine-tune it. You'll be all ready to go. And Bob empowered me to be able to speak to this group. And I remember the first time speaking to this group of adults. I was scared to death. My knees were knocking and I'm speaking. And I did the message. And afterwards Bob says, oh man, you did great. Let's talk about it. Monday morning when you get in the office, let's sit down. We'll go through your message. I'll tell you where I thought you hit well. And, and where I thought you didn't, you didn't do so well. Or you didn't you know, use the verse right. Or I'll tell you how you cannot look so nervous sometimes when you're up there. But Bob's mentorship of me meant so much because he empowered me for growth and the thing that struck me about that is it didn't make him less him to empower me to do that in other words Bob didn't become less Bob by empowering me to go speak to other people his past didn't change his accomplishments didn't change if anything it made him more because he empowered a younger person to be able to go out and do something and he took on that mentor role who can you do that with? Who can you be the, the cheerleader for? Who can you be the one to say, you can do it, and I'll help you get there? Those mentors in life mean so much to people, and you, you don't even realize it until they get older. But when I think about those two influences in my life, they really helped me just in my spiritual growth. They helped me get where I was going. In Matthew 28, when Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations. He's challenging them for growth. Go help other people grow. Go help other people in other nations grow. Teaching them what? To obey the things that I taught you. Because I'm empowering you to empower them for growth. When you think about that, I wonder, is there somebody in your life that maybe you're not thinking of? Maybe you're here today and you say, well, I don't really have anybody like that. I don't have employees or I'm sure there's somebody. Is there somebody in the gas station line that, you, that usually pumps your gas? Is there somebody at the convenience store? Somebody at the grocery store? Is there anybody that you can show God's love to or just give them a little touch that'll help them in their journey with the Lord? So we kind of wrap things up. We've talked a lot about how we are empowered for growth and, and what we can do. But I also realize life is hard. And sometimes life gets in the way of some of these spiritual things. And it's one thing to come here to church on Sunday and we talk about spiritual growth and we talk about ways that you can do that. But the reality is where you live and your daily routine, you might just be in a really, really difficult place. And you say, you know, all these principles about growth are great, but where I am right now, I don't know if I can apply it. I don't know if I can do it. I love reading the Old Testament and reading about the Old Testament saints and characters and all the things that they went through and how they did it without technology and they didn't have cars and phones and computers and, you know, their communication to each other was very primitive. And recently in one of my devotions, I was reading about Moses. I love reading about Moses. And the the passage I was reading, um, it was a specific spot in Moses' journey where Moses comes up to the Red Sea. I'm sure you're familiar with it. And Moses is leading the Israelites away from Pharaoh and he comes up to this Red Sea and and he looks out and there's nothing but sea out there. There's just water. And behind him, he's got over a million people that he's responsible for. And behind those people, he's got Pharaoh's elite army coming to probably kill him and capture all these people. And all he can see is the Red Sea. He just sees water. What was going through his mind? When you think about Moses, he had a job he didn't ask for. He didn't didn't want that job. The Lord told him he he had to do it, and he accepted it. Moses is kind of up there in age. You know, he'd been a shepherd for the last 40 years, and now he's leading a million people out of Egypt. And as he stands there and he looks across the Red Sea, God speaks to him. Because I'm sure Moses was saying, What am I supposed to do? I don't even know what to do. I got this job I don't want. I got these people complaining, and I've got an impossible path in front of me. And the verse that jumped out to me was in Exodus 14 14. It says, The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Moses gets one of his greatest growth lessons in the midst of one of his hardest tasks, and that is trust. If he's gonna grow in the Lord, he's gotta trust the Lord. And you know how the story goes, the Lord Lord parts the Red Sea and he's able to go across on dry land. But I always wonder what those moments were leading up to that as Moses looks out and shakes his head and says, what am I doing? Where am I? As you sit here today, what's your Red Sea? What's the thing blocking your spiritual growth? What's that one thing in front of you you look at and you shake your head and you say, What am I doing? I don't know how this is going to work out. What I want to encourage you the Lord will fight for you. Sometimes all we need to do is be silent and listen for Him because He's empowered us through our faith, He's empowered us through our commitment, and He's empowered us to help others grow. Let's pray. Lord thank you so much for this time today to look into your word and see truths that you have put in there for us and and God we're all in the same place where every single day we need to grow in our faith we need to grow in our knowledge of you we need to grow in our relationship with you because you are renewing our spirit day by day each day we're being made more and more holy God, I thank you for all my brothers and sisters that are out here today, and and God, I pray that you'll search our hearts and minds. We all know what that thing is that's blocking us from our spiritual growth. God, I pray that you would remove those barriers so that we can see you more clearly, so that we really would understand how you have empowered us to grow spiritually. Lord, thank you for these things. We pray your Holy Spirit would just come down and, and bless all of us today, and God, help us to take a look at these things that we've been challenged this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. we would like to invite you to stand. If you're here today and you need prayer, the prayer team will come down front. They'll be happy to pray with you. God bless you. Have a great week.